With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah, yeah. Hello and welcome to They Might Be Mariners, Lookout Landing's prospect-focused podcast. I am your host, John Troop, and joined as just about always by my co-hosts, Joe Doyle and Kate Prusser, uh, here to talk about everything Mariners, minor leagues, uh, and future potential Mariners. Uh, we have... Uh, a little bit of actual news, just as the big league club does. Uh, so too do we have some some moves that we're going to talk about this week. Uh, we're also going to hit on the uh, upcoming draft class. MLB Pipeline has dropped their top 100 draft prospects list, which we're very excited to dig into. Uh, but... The, the news of the hour, and I want to get Joe and Kate's uh, reaction uh, as we record this Friday evening. Uh, 
Chris Flexen added to the uh, 40-man roster. And uh, Tim Lopes, DFA'd. Uh, maybe a bit of a surprise. Uh, I, I Not a huge move. Position but, players. Yeah. Who needs them? Yeah, you know. Left fielders. I don't need one. Right. So, <laughs> so this is the thing. Tim Lopes, not necessarily the most exciting player. Certainly was serviceable uh, in his sort of parts of two years here. But uh, once again, we're sort of hitting on the interesting choices that the club is making thus far with regards to who is going to play left field for them. Uh, They've got Mitch Hanniger, who... Surprise, it's you! Yeah, you know, (laughs) Mitch Hanniger, he's healthy. If he's healthy, great. That's a right fielder. Kyle Lewis, great center field. Are we going with Dylan Moore in left field? Are we running Jose Marmalejos back out there? John? Uh, I'm just just saying things. I'm just saying... Don't start. We're 53 seconds into the pod. Don't. (laughs) All I'm doing is putting out, you know, not energy that I want in the world, but energy that exists in the world. Yeah, you have to be careful about what you're trying to manifest. Because look at me, I manifested a Kenan Middleton signing. Woof. Right out... Right through the power of my own brain. So nobody think too hard about a Dylan Moore left left fielder is my feeling. I love Dylan Moore. You know I love Dylan Moore. But also that puts some pressure on Shed Long to actually come and play well. Or they could play Braden Bishop. Oh, maybe we could give the guy who's the best defender in the organization some shots out and there. also 43 Harder. years old. Braden Bishop. <laughs> Proud father of four. Yeah. Yeah. He's coaching UW basketball, uh, you know, as well. You know, I mean, he's just got a lot on his plate. I think Braden's son is in the organization now. He's been around so long. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Baby yeah. Bishop. Um, <laughs> I was also thinking uh, maybe this makes some room for Jake Fraley. Like, maybe they're going to give Fraley. They're just going to throw him out and be like, put up or shut up. Like, this is your job <sighs> to... We're three minutes into the pod. <laughs> I know. Today is pissed Joe off on every possible level day. <laughs> well, here's the thing, right? It's, <sighs> Fraley, that should have been last year, right? That should have been 2020. And it's not his fault that there was only a 60-game season. And so, and he got real sick and lost a lot of weight. And Yeah. I I don't know what his sickness was, but I, I could see it be. He would look... He looked markedly smaller and thinner yeah. and weaker. Yeah. You know, so I I don't think you can necessarily close the book on Fraley, but it's really hard to have hold two ideas in your hands of the Mariners are trying to build a team that can go contend for a playoff spot and the Mariners are holding a spot for Jake Fraley to be the opening day uh left fielder. Right. I guess that just I- doesn't I have to say, like, I have to be fair, and I'm being, I'm being generous to Evan White and saying, like, I don't think Evan White is the player that he was last year. I think he's got way better pitch recognition than that. I think he got a little beat up in his first, you know, because he, he went to a level he wasn't quite ready for. And, uh, you know, Evan White in the minors it 
has enough of a track record that I feel confident saying that the Evan White we saw last year wasn't him. I know I should extend that same thing to Jake Fraley, who has hit pretty well wherever he's been, right? He Like, he has, as poor as he's looked kind of at that major league level, and he's been even stopping startier than Evan White, he has looked strong in the minors. So I know I have to hold that hope that hope out for him in order to be fair to both players. I think, I think that's fair, but with the caveat that White is two years younger than Fraley. Yeah, maybe, yes, maybe this a, is this is a, a point. I forget because everyone who's in their 20s is just like a teenager. Right. <laughs> well, and like it's not the biggest deal in the world, but it is like, you know, Fraley, just like Bishop in a sense, although, you know, Bishop is older still, but like there's there's a difference in terms of benefit of the doubt that you get in making your adjustments level to level. And it's, you know, Fraley has the argument of he's been hurt a lot, he's missed time, and, you know, several of the injuries have been sort of fluky. But, like, you have to be, you know, there's a, you know, Michael Saunders was good enough to be a starting outfielder if he was healthy every day. And The Michael best Saunders, ability is availability. Right, like, exactly. Like, it's, you know, it is the one of the oldest tropes, but it's it's absolutely, it absolutely matters, like, you know, and and so yes, it I, is an unfortunate like see... fact that your your ability to be physically present <laughs> on the field of play is in fact integral to your career. I mean, right? Well, you I, know, we we don't when somebody misses a ton of work at our offices, we're not like, well, you know, but they they, they really have a lot of other stuff going on. No, no, if you don't show up for work, you don't have a job. Like that is the bottom line. So yeah, um, so. I, I think for for Lopes, this is as much a you know challenge of the organization has Donovan Walton, the organization has Sam Haggerty. They had Dylan Moore break out and be potentially just an opening day guy. Shedlong Jr. could be a bench bat or you know a second baseman. Ty France, not the defender that most of these people are, but hits well enough to you know make up for a lot of that yeah might be I the mean, best hitter out of all of them save dylan moore i still I, I believe in dylan moore so but tim lopes had an awfully brutal 2020 at the plate um that being said i mean he wasn't given the opportunity which i think is what makes this check out a little bit how many opera i mean how many nights were we just saying you know why why is Jose Marmalejos in left field when Tim Lopes is in Tacoma, when Braden Bishop is in Tacoma? Like, why are these guys not getting called up? Uh, even when it was like a lefty on the mound, they still ran Marmalejos out there to play left field. Um, so I think it kind of checks out with what the organization deployed in 2020 and how they're choosing to construct their roster in 2021. I will say the thing that is a little bit confusing to me in all this is if you do plan on running out a six-man rotation every week, um, that would conceivably mean that you don't need as many relievers in your organization as... I mean, you need one less than every other organization, right? Because you only have a space for, uh, what, seven of them? So wouldn't the back-back-back end of your bullpen be more expendable especially with the idea that you plan on bringing in another reliever as they've led us to believe. So I just don't get how Domingo Tapia and Casey Sadler have positions. I, I mean, maybe I'm wrong in that. 
here's what I'll say. I think the I think the scarcity there actually does make the relievers themselves not more valuable. Although you know if they're actually good multi-inning relievers, but I think what you run into there is uh, you will need to demote and promote with more regularity. And That's fair. Yeah. So, you know, if you have an inning or a game where someone just has it go real rough, you know, some you have to burn a couple of relievers, you'll need to be able to cycle through people in the 40 men, uh, which isn't my favorite way of building a roster, but does seem like how they like to do it. Um, the other move, uh, and arguably <laughs> the bigger move in terms of names, uh, although Lopes obviously has played at the big league level that we had this week, uh, was the Mariners trading for Rafael Montero, uh, who was at one point a very highly regarded pitching prospect for the Mets, um, debuted the day before Jacob deGrom, or the day after, I can't recall, but uh, those two were sort of seen as the future of the Mets org, and Montero's had injuries, he's had uh, some ineffectiveness, still throws plenty hard, he's now a bullpen guy, looked pretty solid over the past couple of years, and, and looks like maybe, you know, one of the better relievers in the league, uh, at least by some projections. Uh, but to get him uh, for the next couple of years, Seattle traded away uh, a 17-year-old, the youngest player at their... Um, at their development league, I don't yes, know for sure. He I was so. it was either him or George uh, Feliz. They're both, you know, a seventeen-year-old, a seventeen-year-old, uh, Jose Corniel, who was the highest, uh, had the biggest signing bonus of any pitcher in their twenty nineteen class, um, and I, we, you know, some mixed feelings as well as a player to be named later, which really I think. The quality there will define sort of how it feels, you know, in terms of the pay, but... Yeah, I don't... That's the part that... I don't like not knowing who it is or not having any yeah. idea of who that player to be named later is. Because I'm not thrilled. I've settled with it. And I've sat with it now. I'm not thrilled about the the move because I had hoped that we were past the point where it was, let's trade off young pieces on the farm in order to make moderate but not especially like huge improvements at the major league level and i just felt like that was so much of what we saw in the depoto tenure of 2016 through 18 where it was like adios young arms here comes a parade of like nick rumbelow and david phelps and a, a lot drew smiley and a lot of other people who just like weren't long-term pieces didn't help the team get over any kind of playoff hump obviously um and and sometimes just like outward outright sucked um which adds to like a, a kind of troubling pattern of like adding pitchers who have not always been great nicasio zipchinski uh giovanni gallardo like just oh boy we have we have seen some stuff mariners fans we we have sat through some innings yes we have um, so that part I didn't like because it felt unpleasantly familiar, a little bit of deja vu. Um, <laughs> but sat with it for a while. I've seen the projections on Montero. I will say Montero scares me because of his injury history, purely because of his injury history, because his convert, he's 30. So I don't totally understand how he fits the long-term plan, but I mean, 30 isn't that, that old. 
Um, but mostly what worries me is he's recently converted to a reliever. He's added these new these ticks to his fastball velocity. It's all very exciting. But he finished the season with elbow tendonitis, and anything elbow painy makes me nervous. Uh, he's had a rotator cuff problem. He had TJ. Like it's he has not stayed healthy, and so. I'm hoping that maybe the Mariners feel like they have a hack on arm care and they can do better than the Mets, which, let's face it, is not that hard to do. Um, but it, that and then just seeing Cornell, who I liked, I, I liked, and I thought they had invested some real time into um, seeing them go, seeing him go, and then obviously who the player to be named later is. It, it didn't totally feel great. But one or two of these moves, okay. I don't want to see a pattern of this, though. I, yeah, I don't think you'll see a pattern. Um, I, I don't really think that's how he's built this thing. And um, I think as it stands right now, it's such a divisive trade. It's so polarizing for the fan base that I think you can probably draw it as a 50-50. Um, either a win-win for both teams or a you know, lose-lose for both teams, however you want to draw it up. But I think it's fair uh, in terms of how... The fan bases are critiquing it. That being said, the player to be named later part does scare me a little bit. Um, we'll see who it's going to be. Uh, I think one of the issues that this fan base is running into is we have been so emotionally invested in the rebuild. You know, we're going on three years of this rebuild now, and when your entire fandom um, or eighty percent of it, you know, lives and dies on the farm, and you start purging from the farm for marginal gains, uh, it can be really a difficult switch to flip. So while I'd like to see um, while I'd like to see Jerry win more trades and not give up arms as quality as Corniel, even though I'm firmly in the camp of, you know, trade away a 17 year old, he's probably not gonna pan out. I would like to see him give up a little bit less um, for mid leverage relievers moving forward. So I will we'll say, see. if it's Joe Rizzo as or someone as a somebody who they seemingly have just kind of determined doesn't have shots in the organization, like I don't know what that what is going on with the organization and Joe Rizzo. Like from all accounts, and this is not just like from Rizzo's camp, but this is from people who have worked with him in the organization. He is cheerful. He is hardworking. He has done what's asked of him, and 22. yet, what's that? He's twenty-two, maybe twenty-three. He's, I mean, he's, yeah, he's, he's young. I mean, he is a prototypical, I think, prep prospect. Like, you have to be patient with them. They're, they're going to do dumb things. They're going to, their path is going to be even less linear or in a upward, consistent upward line than anyone else's. I, I mean, development is hard, but uh, it just feels like he hasn't gotten... And I don't know the inner workings, but it feels like Joe Rizzo has not gotten a fair shake. And so I, while I feel like it would be an overpay, I would like Rizzo to go to Texas, and I hope he comes back and like kicks our ass a little bit for it. I think, uh, yeah, Rizzo is twenty-two. He'll be twenty-three in in uh, March, so this will be his age twenty-three year. But yeah, I I would be surprised if it was someone as high as Rizzo, not that Rizzo's, you know, top of the organization necessarily, but, you know, Corniel is a, a, a reasonable prospect. And I, I do wonder if it's one of those PTBNLs where it's, 
dependent on the performance of the of the player, right? Like that can yeah, that's very possible. Happen, which I mean, I suppose is is good. You know, have it, one, it, Luis <clears throat> Caballero, Texas. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean. You know, he obviously he's Montero started the year with the tendonitis and and ultimately you know looked healthy and whatnot. But uh, I do think, like Joe said, the concern is just is this the best way? Because I I like the trade. I I'm overall net positive on the trade. You know, pending the player to be named later. But the the only quibble that I had, and I wrote about this on the site, was like. You can pay money to get a caliber reliever like Montero, or you can pay talent. And I think this is a reasonable value trade if you have, you know, if the Padres made this trade, or if the Angels, or the, you know, any any of these teams that are like, we have a win now roster, maybe it's going to win now, maybe it's not, but like clearly we're invested on winning now. Absolutely. This is like, oh yeah, that makes sense, like value for value the only thing is just are the mariners going to be actually putting a roster together that is going to make the best use of getting a good reliever for the for the next two years you know they did a trade like this to some degree for david phelps uh you know among the many you listed kate you know and and phelps was a two-year guy and that was what i thought of with the uh with the injury issue which was like it's great if Montero's healthy, but it, you know he if he gets hurt again, suddenly you know there his entire tenure with your club goes, um, and that's a really rough way to think about a pitcher. But it is it is a little bit frustrating, and, and I hope we see. But it is also more. the way you have to think about a pitcher, which we can think about that with Corniel too. Like Corniel could get hurt, like lots of guys flame out and don't make it. But for me, it, it's partially it's the sunk develop, and I guess at this point, any guy is gonna feel like. It's a sunk cost developmentally, like, you know, they've they've ideally put time into all of these people, but they seem to have a clear, like, these guys get selected to go to this special training camp, or these guys get handpicked to come back and have this special invite to the academy. Like, they clearly have some that they're putting more into than others, so... And Corniel was one of those more. I'm sure Texas just saw him in that fall league and were like, we want that guy, and... So they made well, it happen, but and, and and maybe the counterpoint on that is just at least to some degree that it was a showcase to you know in a, in a sense like like teams will do with the yes, and I think that's why Wyatt Mills was there, and I think that's why Joe Rizzo was there, and they couldn't offload Mills to anyone, so they're like, fine, we'll put him on the forty and a sink or swim time for him. I do think like he must have changed their mind on him somewhat because he was on, I felt like he, he and Anderson both were very much on the bubble on the outside looking in as far as people who I thought were going to get called up and something changed with him though. Something changed with Mills. He yeah. was why it was 88 to 91 at uh, this summer, like when he was away from the team and then suddenly, you know, he was able to get into this fall workout he was doing something in the summer, and now he's like ninety four to ninety seven. So well, he's been. I mean, he's a, he's a big training guy. Like we've talked to him before about the work he's put in and building his velocity and being up. His think, need to be up around ninety three, ninety four, rather than ninety one, ninety two. So. My guess is he just showed up to spring training 
maybe not out of shape, but maybe a little dinged up. And the maybe. same could be said about Sam Delaplane, just maybe a little dinged up, a little dead arm. And so, mm-hmm. you know, when you come out of spring training in your high 80s and they're, you know, thinking about, can we get this guy on the 40? Is there a spot for him at any point during the year? You don't want to, you know, bring the guy up only to see him fail. I mean, we saw with Joey Gerber, like they called Joey Gerber up, but his velo was down three ticks and the the movement on his fastball and his slider were not right um, yeah joey gerber didn't seen. look like joey gerber at the no. major league level so i think they gave these guys as good a chance as they could to succeed and if they weren't ready to succeed they just didn't call him up which i think like that's another thing with aaron fletcher aaron fletcher's velo was Oof. way down and his yeah. slider was bad that was so and- rough for him so I just think all of those fringe 40 guys that were expected to debut this year with everything being thrown out of funk, they yeah. were just, they were just, for lack of a better word, they were just broken this season. Well, I think sometimes it's good too. And Logan Gilbert has talked about this, like in his experience when they threw him against like the, the A team for, I think it was Cleveland in spring training a couple years ago. And he was, you know, brand new. It was his first time. It was literally his first time on a professional mound. Oh, God, that's right. It was brutal. Yeah, and he got his ass kicked. And uh, it was for Logan Gilbert, who is not used to having his ass kicked, mostly because it's really hard to reach all the way up there. Um, (laughs) He really, really, it affected him. But he was like, now I know. Like, now I know what what this looks like, like what this looks like at this level. And I know what these guys have. And yes, I got my acts kicked, but next time I'm going to come back and I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to work on this. I'm going to come back. I'm going to kick your ass. So I cannot wait for the Logan Gilbert versus Cleveland revenge game. I know it'll be a big deal to him, even if no one else knows what's going on. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to play off of this with one of the questions that we got. Uh, which was from uh, Dayholy Grail at Dayholy underscore Grail on Twitter. Friend uh, of the pod. Thank you for your buddy. question. Hey buddy. MLB pod the show indeed. player, my good friend. That's true. Yeah, big big time MLB the show streamer. If I'm if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so he notes, uh, or they note, I suppose. Uh, Scott Service said uh, the Mariners are scratching the surface when it comes to offseason acquisitions and trades at the press conference uh, that was earlier uh, this week. If this is the case, there's going to be some players claimed as a result of taking them off the 40-man. Who would y'all be okay with parting ways with? Uh, So we talked a little bit about this, but Joe, Kate, who who are sort of the next few folks off the 40-man to you guys? Um, for me, so I, we don't exactly know what we have with Domingo Tapia. I mean, he's a fastball slider guy beyond that. Like I haven't seen very many looks of him. He throws a hundred. So I think, you know, he could be a guy that you see goes. Um, I don't know how in love with the team, Robert, or how much in love the team is with Robert Duggar, but he's someone that kind of comes to mind. Casey Sadler is Casey Sadler's a strange one to me. I, They must see something in Casey Sadler, maybe like they saw with Matt McGill a while back, where they just think they're going to be able to get more out of him. But you got to think that a reliever would be next in line. Sadler was interesting because he did, you know, I, I, I mean, maybe it was, uh, rel, you know, sort of a comparative thing. 
But he was at least a little bit more impressive uh, at the end of last year. But, I mean, he was surrounded by some some rough fellows. Um, so, the, you know, it was not necessarily the most uh, overwhelming bar to clear. I, I do think, yeah, I think Sadler's a, a, a sort of fringy one. I think Marmalejos, you know, the club is keeping him around, and I get that. He Maniacta. Maniacta scouted him, I guess, in the yeah. Dominican. Oh. He's been with the Australias who are... <laughs> I thought Kate wanted to get rid of Manny. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. That's not how rosters work. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. I'm talking with one uh, part of my brain and looking at Casey Sadler's uh, stat cast page with the other part of my brain because I'm trying to remember what Casey Sadler did that impressed me because there was... I think, I mean, I think the the big thing that Casey Sadler did that impressed me was that he was not a disaster. <laughs> and, <laughs> were, and recapping those games with the bullpen meltdowns was always so unpleasant. And Casey mostly, like, kept it together, which I appreciate. Um, but he had one pitch, and I'm trying to remember which one it was, that, like, really kind of stood out. Do you mean one pitch he owns or a singular pitch from 2020 <laughs> no it's 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 a pitch that's in his repertoire i believe it's his sinker uh that just has a lot of extra movement on it even though it does not have at all impressive velocity it's like 93 or whatever um anyway i mean casey sadler i like him i don't know if he'll get claimed or not i wouldn't love to lose him i would I, I do think they can maybe, like, crank some efficiency out of there. Because, again, he didn't look like a disaster. Um, and Domingo Tapia, like, bless his heart, but the Red Sox didn't think that he was worth yeah. holding on to. And their pitching core is terrible. I think I think the Sadler challenge, because I think you're right, Kate, like, that I mean, the, the Red Sox pitching situation, I just, sorry, quick aside, no, no, it's hey. so bad that, like, <laughs> a state official talking about something totally unrelated, I think it was about voting in Massachusetts or something, was like, uh, and somebody said, like, oh, I love your Red Sox, Max, and he was like, yeah, you need a pitcher. I was like, <laughs> oh, bless Red Sox fans, I have so missed this energy, like, yeah, you know. but yeah. So yeah. it makes me nervous that like the Red Sox, the Red Sox were willing to let him go. Yeah, I was gonna say, say what you will, they do care. There's not a lack of. Care they do care for sure. Um, I, yeah, I, th- I think Sadler because he doesn't have any options left. He's probably the best uh, best bet to one be DFA'd and two sort of slip through. That's gonna be quite a Tacoma bullpen if they if he does. Just because they also got Matt McGill back on a minor league deal, they still have Curson Batista, you know, and they'll they'll have several of the forty men. We're gonna assume that yeah, like uh, Gerber might start out there again. Right. Who knows? Uh, probably so. Mills, probably. Yeah. Um, There's yeah, gonna be a lot of them there. I'd Munoz, think. Munoz will probably be back. Like, the, it's yeah. like a baby version of the big league bullpen, which should be fun. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I think that's you know, Sadler's probably the first person, and it's a it's a toughie, but I think he's he's probably got to go. Um, you could see Marmo, you could see Haggerty, you could maybe see Braden Bishop. I would feel worse about those, but those. I are think just... they want to keep Marmo personally because I think if Evan White has a has a soft tissue injury that he's had every year of his career, <laughs> Marmo is kind of the guy. 
That's fair, but I mean, and he's not a bad stick. Like if you put Marlowe no, at yeah. first base against a right-handed pitcher, like that's not a bad player. Yeah, that's fair. No, I I, I think that's very reasonable. I just I think that's a player, right? Like there's there's a first base there's a like first baseman on a minor league deal with right. like a high you know like a higher than minimum uh you know incentives deal if they make the bigs that tends to be signable you know justin Bohr or something like that maybe not justin Bohr specifically oh, that but, would be but so something fun. like that where it's like okay this is who you're putting in you know AAA for a month and they have an opt-out john so, that was a dope pull well justin Bohr would be so cool yeah i mean that's that's just like the kind of depth you want to have. Yeah, the side of the question that I'm interested in, though, is like if they're going to, I mean, we're talking about clearing space for these uh, theoretical players who have been like put on waivers or maybe non-tendered or whatever. Like, who do we think, who's out there who you're like really excited about? Because Keenan was mine and they sure. got him and... Now I'm sort of like, I'm, I still feel like they have to address that sucking hole in left field, especially now that Lopes is gone, but um, there's, there's not there. a ton of guys I'm super excited about. Just put Braden out there. Like, put Braden Bishop out there. Or go get Jock Peterson, play him out there for six weeks, and then if Kalanick's ready to come up, then figure out what to do next. But like, damn, there's so many options for left field. It doesn't have to be Marmo. Yeah, that sounded so disrespectful to Marmo. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but I mean, like the it's uh, the, like last year was asking Marmalejos to be something that probably he shouldn't be at the big league level, right? It was mostly left field with like only a little bit of first base, and it should be the other way around. Like he should be the other, the inversion of the Jay Bruce sort of archetype, and. There's a lot of options there. I will say, yeah, I think the likely signings we see are other relievers, or maybe a starter. So I think we will see Tapia or Sadler or, you know, Duggar, those sort of fringe guys who are sort of placeholders right now. Those are going to be the ones I think that move first. Because I think at this point, they, for for all that I said, Joe, they are they got to be at maximum reliever capacity. Yeah. I mean, we didn't mention Donnie Walton, but I think, I personally, I kind of think Donnie Walton has a more concrete spot in this team than some of the others that you mentioned because he came up with the core. He knows all the guys. Yeah. He can play every infield position. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be a big league regular, or uh, you know, he's probably not even a big league bench guy. But there are worse options on the forty men down in Tacoma. That's for sure. Yeah, Walton's a really good defender. I mm-hmm. think um, and he can put up a very credible at-bat. Like, Donnie Walton will have a professional at-bat. It might not end the way that you would want it to, but he's going to make the pitcher throw some pitches. He like, he's a, a little, he, grinder. He a he's grinder. He's the grinder. Jack Wilson. Yeah, a little well, bit. Well, you didn't go for the obvious Bloomquist, but... I, th- I think <laughs> they all kind of live more, in the same drawer, right? He had a lot more thump in his bat. Yeah. Do you guys know I, I, Willie Bloomquist was the first shortstop drafted in 1997, or whenever he was picked by the Mariners? Uh, 1935, I believe it was. But <laughs> I just yes. figured, I found that out the other day. He was the number one shortstop in the class. They got him just ahead of the Cleveland Spiders. Yeah, yeah. wait, sorry, hang on. What? 
there are everyone's a shortstop. Even if they're not a shortstop, no, everyone's a shortstop. No. <laughs> Jose Marmalejos is not a shortstop, okay, John. But like you and I, like, you know what I mean. We're not shortstops. You know what I mean. ML, I mean, we're about to talk about the MLB top hundred draft uh, prospects. Ooh, yes. No, this, this is a one, nice. There's this one is a very second nice baseman. Segue. There's one second baseman, no first baseman on that list. There's a lot of first basemen in there, but there are none on that list uh, by their current definition of position. Like, you're a shortstop or you're an outfielder or you are a third baseman or you're a catcher. That's like half the people I just named. <laughs> like, there's one. You're either a shortstop or you're 60% of the rest of the field. <laughs> I mean. It's like that um, that old Mike Myers sketch on SNL. Like, if it's not a shortstop, it's crap. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but, like, you, you know, the, the bar that you have to clear to be a top prospect, you can't be just plodding around unless you're. You know Andrew Vaughn offensively, who's which not is, plotting, but which is, is but who is still a college bat and had enough time to prove himself, like him and and Torkelson too. Like you right. know, if you third baseman, uh, you mean? Uh, yes, hey, yes, I'm a, sorry, I'm sorry. Third, third baseman, baseman Spencer third Torkelson. Baseman now, <laughs> third baseman Spencer Torkelson, pleased to meet you. Yeah. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah. Please raise that thank you when you speak of my name. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, let, let's let's crack into uh, this, uh, this top 100 list. So, Kate, you wrote up for this site... Um, Based on MLB Pipeline's top 100 draft prospects, which, you know, there's been draft stuff everywhere. Uh, Baseball America posts it. Obviously, Joe has been doing weekly, uh, every Monday morning, a, a draft profile. And, and that's been, you know, very exciting sort of uh, drip of getting involved. But you, I think, took a very nice angle on it, which is like, at least at the moment, the Mariners picking at number 12. Who looks like is gonna be you know, at least at this point in time? Who looks like they're in that range? So who who are some of the people that are gonna be in the Mariners' range at least right now? And where we're looking at. And then I also want to hear from Joe about what exactly is happening draft-wise right now. Like what is what are teams doing? What what's the like? Stage of draft prep process that that we're at right now because it feels like it's the middle of winter. Are people even playing baseball outside of, you know, 
Leadom and and you know various other sort of Australia and whatnot. Like what what is going on here? Yeah, it's a weird time for. Uh, I always feel they're like this is the official like firing gun for the twenty twenty one draft is when MLB puts together their top one hundred draft list because it feels like even though other outlets do their own like you know this is MLB this is who is going to get pushed I feel in a certain in on MLB network like in a lot of who's going to get a lot of press right um and obviously it's going to change a lot because at this time last year I believe I was writing an article titled Emerson Hancock the pitcher who will never be a mariner or something like that you know like uh definitely he was one of I mean he was in the top five when I was writing about him top uh, potentially top three. Like, it did not look like they would have a prayer at them, at him. Also, though, the Mariners were picking safely within the top ten and had a real shot at some of those premier... Like, there's always a tier that develops. So I'm saying this because somebody put a comment in on the on the story, like, well, remember, like, you know, at this time last year, Emerson Hancock was supposedly one of these untouchables yes that's true and yes things will move but are they gonna move where like these top three to four guys fall all the way to 12 the commenter also mentioned kyle lewis which again was a thing where kyle lewis had a lot of question marks because of the quality of play in the conference that he played in so kind of similar to nick gonzalez who obviously didn't slip as far as lewis did so I would say, like, there is a tier that the Mariners will not... And, Joe, you can weigh in on this. There is a tier of players who just have to kind of kiss goodbye at pick 12. And, like, obviously, Kumar Rocker is in there. Uh, Sadly, I think, uh, someone we all like, Jordan Lawler, is in that tier. Um, Adrian Del Castillo, who I like a lot, uh, but is maybe the best college catcher in the draft and can really, really hit probably someone we should forget about. Um, And things start to get, I think, a little more flexible around, like, pick seven. Uh, MLB has Jack Leiter going six, and I think he will probably also be in that top level. I (laughs) I have one ardent Leiter stand on Twitter who maintains he's better than Kumar Rocker. So I think things get flexible around pick seven. That's where they have Marcelo Meyer, uh, Judd Fabian, Alex Benelis, Ty Madden, um, Andrew Painter, Brody, Brady House, my favorite, Colton Kowser, um, and then a bunch of guys that they won't pick who are preps. But <laughs> but uh, that's my feeling, Joe. That's where I kind of feel like the tears break off. What do you think? I think uh, with this class specifically, if there was ever a year that Jerry DePoto is going to take a prep, it's 2021. And all the stars are aligning. I mean, they have the farm. It's built out. The top of it is flush. They need to start stacking back at the bottom of it. And there's no better way to do that than to take a high school shortstop. And I don't think Judd Fabian, or not Judd Fabian, I don't think Jordan Lawler is going to be there. Um, I don't think Marcelo Meyer is going to be there. It sounds like he really, oh, I have such a, I have such a hope for him. I, I mean, there's still seven months to go. Like, we'll see. Anything could change. He got so loud at the end of the year in September and October that 
I know that, you know, some area scouts are actually hoping and praying that there's not baseball allowed in California this spring just so Marcelo doesn't get the looks that they think he should get. So I think... Okay, well, that's not fair. Like, he needs... needs Exactly. (laughs) I think he could end up going even higher than seven. So I think those two may be off the board, but... Brady House and Khalil Watson are two really, really exciting guys. Um, I've got my concerns about Brady House's hit tool, but you can't argue that he's one of the most explosive prep athletes to come out in years, um, to be honest with you. So that's kind of what I see here. Um, I'll I'll just give some really surface-level thoughts on this list. Um, I I don't get the Ty Madden at number 10 thing. I I don't even have Ty Madden in the top 25 right now. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about that on Monday. Really? I'll talk more about that. My scouting report on that comes out on Monday. There's just some... Because I feel like Ty Madden is... I don't know if they'll go college pitcher yet again. I That is so tiresome <laughs> by this point. But it seems like Madden is someone who they would like. Yeah, I mean, big conference, good body, big fastball, but um, read the piece on Monday. I think that'll kind of give a better feel for it. Uh, I think James Wood is really exciting. I think, you know, for Jerry, a guy that loves a carrying tool. I would weep with joy if they took James Wood. He's going to be that type of guy, and I think his personality would fit in Seattle. He's a really, 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 really soft-spoken kid. Really soft-spoken. So I think ending up in Seattle and not going to like Philly or yeah I think that would work really well not having Um, that like huge media spotlight on him yeah and then the only other thing you know I could drill deeper and deeper into this list but it's pretty damn clear that this is incredibly prep heavy I mean this is insanely high school heavy this top 100 and a lot of that you know college guys haven't played and high school players had all their showcases that were largely uninterrupted I would really expect this list to change dramatically um, as we get closer to February and March. So that would be my two cents. I agree. I think the list in this particular year, I'm waffling between the list won't change much because we're not going to get looks at guys and the list is going to change. (laughs) A friend of mine invented a word dramatically it's like (laughs) dramatically plus drastically and i i love to say it sometimes uh the list will change dramatically if if there actually is baseball played because uh they're going to be packing so many looks into such a short amount of time and um i don't know i don't know i mean maybe people will just look for confirmation bias and like hew closely to what they thought but I think things will be a little up in the air. I am going to say, like, even in this year where it's, like, so many good preps at the top of this, and so many preps that I think if Seattle actually had a chance to pick, they or they would because they're a little further along, less raw than your typical prep prospect. Um, this year I would not be mad if they went college, and I would not be mad if they went for Colton Kowser because I think, and like Joe, I will be writing a piece on Kowser upcoming this week. Um, he and Ty Madden were high school teammates on a like pretty loaded 
Texas prep team. So it's an interesting pairing, but he kind of got overlooked a little. And I feel like he could have been, he could have been drafted, but instead he went and he's just been making a ton of noise. Scouts, he seems to have a lot of buzz. Um, I just love watching him play. I love his swing. I love his athleticism in the field. Like he is, of course, my favorite type of, my favorite type of prospect. He is a pure hitter. Uh, and he just has a really lovely left hand. I, I think of him like older Jared Kelnick. So I'm really, really excited and, and hoping he kind of stays in our range. Because for once, I will not complain about them picking a, a college player if it's Colton Kowser. Kate, I wanted to ask just while we're talking on the pod, because um, we you and I didn't talk about this, but what was your reaction to Ian Mahler being at 75? Wow! I, that was my reaction. <laughs> like, <laughs> I could not believe how far down I was scrolling to get to him. And again, I think that's just indicative of, I don't think that's indicative of who he is as a player or like what he can do or what he will do. Um, Cause I mean, the kids just got like character for days and leadership skills and um, to go with all those baseball skills, I mean, he can really hit. And uh, you know, he just, he had a bad showcase circuit and, and he dropped down. I would be so happy. I, again, be totally fine with them going college with the first pick if they could pick up Ian Miller, Ian Mahler with that second, Ian Miller, oh, Ian Mahler with that second pick. I would just, I would, you would forward my mail to heaven because that's where I would be. I have a, I have a question about a, a name and this was, you know, in reading through the list myself, uh, maybe, maybe it's someone either of you have looked at, maybe not. Does Zach Geloff have like a Tyler Keenan 2.0 vibe? He's the sort of shortstop third base out of uh, Virginia. Just a a very big fellow. Uh, Probably not an infielder. Maybe an infielder. I've only seen like a little bit. I remember seeing just like a brief clip of him before, you know, baseball stopped happening. Uh, nine months ago or so. Mm, what and I hear here, John, is I hear you volunteering to write a, a scouting profile of Zach Geloff. Absolutely. <laughs> Basically, yes, definitely going to. But but just, you know, in, in looking at this, because this is the sort of thing where it's helpful of like, okay, we're starting to see those second round picks, those third round picks. Maybe if Seattle can pull a... Uh, a comp pick away from another team, another pick in that sort of range. Um, you know, and, and we've talked about Mahler and, and a few other players in this group as sort of folks who might fit in that group. Uh, but I'm just curious if there was anyone who, when you saw their names uh, on this list, whether it was someone you'd looked at a lot or someone you maybe hadn't seen that much at all, who you thought, oh, yeah, that would be someone I'd like to see. Uh, targeted a little further down uh, Seattle's board in the in the second or third round, or even further down. I'll answer on uh, on Geloff. Um, I I think I actually think he's going to stay on the dirt. I think he's going to be a third baseman or a first baseman. Um, not quite as big as Tyler Keenan, but some of the issues with Geloff is um, he really didn't hit premier pitching well in in twenty twenty. Um, so those are going to be the concerns going into uh, 2021. And then there's a little bit of the uh, flat bat 
uh, issue that scouts are bringing up. Like, is he going to be be able to hit for power? Is he going to be able to generate the bat speed to play a power hitting position like third base? So, um, it kind of gives me more like Austin Shenton vibes. Maybe a maybe a tick below totally. on like a half tick below on the hit grade, but more of that type of um, uh, like defensive profile. Um, as far as some of the guys on this list that I would like to see Seattle go after, um, Colson Montgomery is number 48. He's a third baseman out of Indiana, really small school, really small travel ball team, um, kind of popped for everyone at PG National. Huge body, six foot four, 190, moves really, really well on the dirt uh, laterally to his left and his right. Um, it's a little bit of a flat bat right now, but I think he's the type of project that you can sink your teeth into and turn into a pretty fun pro hitter. Um, a couple other things that I just noticed as I was going down here, Christian Franklin at 46, I think is definitely going to change. I mean, even, uh, Jim Callis and, and Jonathan Mayo here have him with 55 power, 60 run, 60 arm, 60 field. That's a top 10 pick. Like there's... If you have four grades above above average, three plus, even with a 45 hit tool, um, I still think he's going to be a top 10 pick. Mason Black is at 53. I think he's a very real target for the Mariners at 12. I would expect him to move up. But uh, the other guy that I wanted to point out that I think would be a fun uh, project for Seattle would be Ben Kaderna, who is at 65. Um, really kind of popped at the baseball factory uh showcase all-american classic uh good fastball 94 touch 95 uh really tight slider that he commanded really really well and a changeup that just totally falls and fades off uh off to right handers um already has kind of the entire arsenal that you look for in a starting pitcher he's six foot three he's 195 pounds um and he's going to be really young for this draft i think he's going to be like 18 in two months so um yeah that's a pitcher that i'm really really interested in and i think uh would be a great project i will throw in um one tick ahead of ian Mahler is braylon bishop which would be super confusing if the mariners drafted him if braden bishop is still in the organization but uh he is an outfielder and he is i think just I think he has the fastest hands in the class. Like, his hand speed is incredible. Um, And he's had some issues with, like, putting everything together. He is definitely a project. But he has so much good raw material to work with. And I was... uh, I I, I mean, I, I think he's another one who has a good chance to move up. But if those... Like I said, he's a project. Uh, if for some reason that doesn't totally show on the showcase circuit as he's coming into the draft and maybe stays in that second round, I'd love to see the Mariners target someone like him. I like I like that group. Um, this was, and maybe I've missed it, but this was the highest I've seen Malachi Knight, the local... Local yeah. product, Malachi. Knight yes, rates. absolutely. Uh, I thought he got a little overshadowed on the in the conversations that kind of came up after the main showcase stuff. So that was exciting to see. Do you think it's appropriate? Yes, like just straight up. Yes, I am a little. This is the first place I have ever seen him ranked above Joshua Baez, 
Baez is a freak um, on the baseball field, but he's also unpolished. That's where Malachi kind of thrives is, you know, I threw a Ryan Braun comp on Malachi Knight a while back and not not saying that he's going to have Mal- uh, Ryan Braun production, but he's got Ryan Braun swing. I think his body is going to move in a direction that forces him into a corner, but probably right field as he's got a pretty good arm. Um, he just, he, he puts bat to ball. He's got a ton of athleticism that allows him to play a really stellar center field right now. Um, hits for power, hits for power to all fields. I mean, I saw him hit a couple of home runs to right center field this summer. Um, yeah, you know, being up in Seattle or Marysville, if you will, uh, certainly has the potential to get you overshadowed a little bit by some of those kids in the southeast but he just had such a consistent loud summer that i'm i'm happy to see his name floating in that day one area and he's gonna have to be like he's going to have to be a top 60 pick if you're gonna pull him away from oregon state because it's a great program cool how these names that we're throwing out malachi knight um ian Mahler, uh braylon bishop um what's his face who's the one i'm thinking of james wood khalil watson these are all prospects of color and it is fantastic to see the field diversified in a way that i feel like i haven't seen it in a long time so many good diverse prospects out there this year so yay mm-hmm. um i i think the point on i mean it is it is a bummer because of the context in which it's coming but i think also like the the point about the lack of college exposure i has to probably be helpful for knight uh in particular and and a lot of the northwest uh kids and and kate to your point in terms of mlb's investment in uh, in in getting black players involved, and and I'm hoping that that's at least some of what we're seeing here as well. But you have to imagine like the cold weather quote unquote players are getting more looks, if nothing else, because they're still going to showcase. They're still doing, you know, slightly more organized events uh, that hopefully have been safer. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't eh. know, but uh, yeah, or <laughs> the show know. must go on type yeah, of mentality. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, but you know that that at least is having the <laughs> to some degree the outcome of giving a little more shine to players who are you know sometimes maybe overlooked a bit. Um, but I, I I think that that's really neat. And I, I don't. Know, it's it's fun to watch players who are sort of local come up and and uh, shine. Um, is there anyone else you guys want to highlight on this? We have a couple more questions that I want to touch on before we wrap up here. Is there anyone else or anything else you guys want to hit on from this uh, from this list right here? Oh, actually, I want to I want to hear from Joe. Joe, what does uh, this sort of quote sort of dead period, at least in in so much of baseball, mm-hmm. uh, at least MLB? What is this looking like right now? You had, a, I thought, a really good tweet thread sort of about what's actually happening right now in the recruiting, scouting uh, arena. 
Yeah, so right now um, the dead period has kind of just begun for college players specifically, and that's more of a regulatory move by the NCAA um, where pro teams, pro scouts are not allowed to have meetings with college baseball players um, during this period, and that all has to do with tampering and, and things of that sort. Um, just a regulatory keep the field fair type deal. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in December and even the end of November, there's about a three or four week period where uh, college players are allowed to set up formal interviews with um, any of these prospective players. And they set up a lot of them, um, you know, for 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 Mariners fans out there, I can assure you uh, in discussions that I've had, Seattle talked to anybody and everybody. Uh, from my understanding, their last meeting was yesterday. Um, if they're on the top 50 list, Seattle talked to them. So uh, they're definitely covering their bases. Every team is covering their bases. Uh, most of the guys that I talked to um, have met with literally every single team. Um, so, yeah, they, they rush a ton of meetings and they cram them all into a few weeks. And it's just the opportunity for a club to first get introduced to who the player is, what their personality is like, what their goals are, what drives them, things like that. This is this last three weeks is really the first, the introductory um, stage to learning about who these guys are and starting to develop kind of a draft board, a target board, if you will, starting to narrow your list with and getting rid of guys that don't fit your culture, for example. Um, it's a little bit less stringent on the high school side it's not as regulated they do still have a couple of weeks here moving into the new year to speak with these high school guys but it's uh, like i said it's less regulated they can still speak with them um, at any time but the difference is uh, these high school guys are um, they're advised they they don't have agents they have advisors and those advisors kind of lead the charge and the general um, informal rule of thumb is you don't talk to these guys um, from the new year into uh, until like the middle of February when the baseball season restarts so they can kick off their school year the right way. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I think the biggest takeaway is, you know, teams largely like didn't know anything about these players with the exception of local area scouts like Scott Hunter, Jerry DePoto. This isn't uh, a quote. But they don't really know much about these kids until the cross-checkers and area scouts start to filter that information their way, which started over the last couple of weeks. And I will say, just as kind of a fun nugget, I don't know if this is a you know fun thing or not, but uh, some of the top guys at the top of the class do have meetings with all the way up, all the way up to Scott, all the way up to, you know, the head honchos. Um, some of these guys are only going to meet with area scouts, but... In some cases, the premier talent will get meetings that involve um, executive leadership from any and all teams. So, I think that's the... I mean, obviously the Mariners were in on many players last year, but it has to be a slightly different process, right? Being in the middle of the pack more to some degree, right? You have to kind of have a wider net. You know, you can't just assume, all right, we're going to get one of these guys you have to you have to be a little bit more uh wide wide in your scope uh for the first round which you know obviously is an extra amount of effort but yeah i mean if you think about it if if kumar hurts his shoulder and doesn't throw 
or Jack Leiter hurts his shoulder and doesn't throw. Um, That's true. He could fall, and you have to know what you're getting involved with. Absolutely. All right. Uh, let's finish with a couple questions here. We got a we got a qu- not a question but a comment, uh, which we do. I would say sometimes appreciate. In this case, it's perfectly reasonable. Uh, from Bears, Mariners, Sharks, and Ottawa hockey fan uh, at me. In I should have read this ahead of time, but me ink must go on Twitter, uh, which was not a question, but I miss Tim Lopes. Um, yeah, and <laughs> I miss the Braden Bishop. I already miss the Braden Bishop Tim Lopes best friendship because they were best friends and took a lot of well, cute you know, pictures together and came up through the system together like roommates and everything and. You know, that's always hard. That's hard. I talked to Jonathan Classe a little bit, who was with uh, Corniel, who he had been with, like, kind of all summer, um, when he got the news that he'd been traded. And it was it was hard. Like, it's hard on these guys. So never forget about the kind of personal side of things, too. Yeah. Um you know, back from the days when those were in our, those two were in our top ten prospect list because that, that was, was <laughs> yeah, that was there, up you know? our our top ten prospect list. Yeah, I mean, I and mean, you know, honestly, no the, shade, you no want... shade on those guys because they carried the lumber, or I don't know whatever it was they carried. Like they just marched through the system through like the darkest valleys. As did we, yeah. who wrote about them and, you know, yeah, got excited sure. about <laughs> about our well, prospects as they were. I was going to say, few people wrote more about those rough prospect years than Ben Brown, oh, uh, who did this, our state of the farm. God bless uh, Ben. Those, I mean, we ran stretches. him out with that, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm so sorry, but Ben does have Ethan, a too. Ethan uh, Novak as well. Yeah, yeah Ethan Novak. Just, oh my they got broken so, by those dark years, yeah. but your Very spirit much. lives on, fellows. <laughs> All the exes yeah. are calling back. It's Christmas. <laughs> oh. Real rough stuff. But Ben has a question, actually, uh, which is more general to the system. Who are some players outside of the top 30, top 30 Mariners prospects, uh, or some post-hype minor leaguers, fringe major leaguers, uh, who have some underlying data or skill sets uh, in the Mariners organization that make you think people might be excited about them this time next year. Uh, or, to put it a different way, who's the next Dylan Moore? And a uh, nice little cheers. There's no Dylan Moore. He uh, is a beautiful there's unicorn. No, there's no next Dylan Moore. <laughs> he is a beautiful uh, utility corn. Utility corn. <laughs> utility corn. Come on. Come on. Um... <laughs> I I have one, but I I would like to hear from you guys first. I have one. I have. Wait, I have two. Ooh. Yeah, I have two. So the first one I would say is absolutely Levi Stout, who doesn't appear to be on the top thirty for pipeline. Yeah. So, um, I mean, a lot of people saw what he was doing down at Extended Spring Train or Arizona or whatever they called it. There were so many names for minor league baseball this year. I have lost track of them all. I've been calling uh, it Fall League, true. which not, I know it's not the Arizona Fall. Right. But, I mean, Fall League. Easy. 
I'll call it farm ball. I'm just going to call it farm ball. That's all encompassing. Mm -hmm. It's an umbrella term. I like that. <laughs> so Levi was, uh, you know, 91 to 97 down there. Uh, from what I heard, the fastball had a ton of ride up in the zone, which not all, I mean, that's not like a blanket term. Um, not all pitchers get that type of action. Uh, and the apparently the, the changeup, as Andy McKay said, is just a 70 uh, or a 60 at the bare minimum. And the film seems to support that. So even if he's got those two pitches, um, a, you know, a 40 or a 45 breaking ball would make him a good starting pitching prospect. So he's one that I'm certainly looking forward to tracking this next year. And then the other one is Adam Mako, who is now 94 to 95. Machko. He's got Machko. a curveball. He's got a slide. No, it it's not. I mean, that his, uh, his family, I think, has... Um, uh, North Americanized it after his time here, but I believe that is how it is said in the original. Uh, in, um, in the old country. In the Bratislavan. Hey, I had a dream. I had a dream that we traded Sam Carlson to the Padres. What? You had a dream? Yeah, I need to not. <clears throat> I need to get off the internet for a little what? while. What? No. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, yeah, this is gonna be a good holiday break. That's rough because he was. He was actually gonna be my. He was gonna be my pick. Duct tape on my keyboard. For somebody who comes, yeah, Carlson? for somebody who comes out of nowhere and is just like, just blasts uh, well, his way up yeah, the just, prospect ladder. He. I mean, he's he in is, the top thirty. Well, I mean, it depends on where you rank him. Fangraphs 35. has him 41st at this Wait, point. Wait, what? Yeah. Fangraphs has him where? Uh, nope. Uh, 41, based on the oh, that's, board. That's a little, that's a little much. I still I mean, he's, the he's, he's a 35, 10. like, so he's kind of, you know, within the same range. I think it's, it's as whatever, all the 35-plus crew. Hmm. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I mean, so, my, I don't know. Mine would be Levi Stout and Adam Mashko. Yeah, you definitely don't have to say it like uh, that. I was just making fun. I did look up because well, I watched a thing of Slovakian TV or whatever where they said it, and that's how they said it. So I was like, did. that's how I'll say it. Oh, my God. Kate, you watched the But then his dad came after me on Twitter TV. and said, like, actually, no, we say it this way. And I, I respect the wishes of the family, so... Kate, you need basic cable in the worst way. I have basic cable. <laughs> what do you mean? I don't. You we we hear these stories of you watching Slovakian news and it was on Irish Twitter. Okay, I do and... my research. It was maybe on Twitter, maybe on YouTube. I don't know. Probably his dad Vladimir uh retweeted it but you write for a rugby site i don't know. like look i do my research where i can i don't have access to a lot of stuff so it's a lot of trawling around on youtube twitter instagram kate you strike me as do you remember that commercial where the guy is just like click 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 and then it says you've reached the end yes, of the internet that is me on instagram literally every day Congratulations, you've reached the end of the internet. Yeah, that's me. I uh, I also spent this this off season pandemic whatever we've been doing uh, spending a lot of time getting to the end of Netflix. So I don't know which is like more pathetic. John, I'm trying to figure out where are you seeing this new list because I was looking at the old fan graphs list to try to determine who might be my 
my pick. I am on. I am on Ross. Their roster resource depth well, charts. Yeah. Um, but uh, my my pick is actually Joe Rizzo. Um, Bold! because he's going to. Not because he's going to sort of rock it up uh, into being like a top 100 prospect, but um, the tool set he has is one that I think can absolutely succeed in major leagues right now. And I think that is a contact heavy, uh, you know, good, good eye for the strike zone approach uh, and one that elevates the ball a little bit more uh, and if the ball stays juicy is juicy again obviously I don't think he's gonna be in the big leagues next year but I think you know much like Seattle could see oh this was you know it didn't work for Kyle Lewis that well or it didn't work as well as it should have for Evan White I think they can see okay these are good swing decisions these are good you know swing profile and things for Joe Rizzo uh, if and when he starts the year in Arkansas. Um, I I think there's still something there for him because, I mean, he is 22. Like, he is still extremely, extremely young uh, for a prospect. Uh, You know, he's, depending on who Seattle picks in the draft, he could be barely a year older than than who they take. You know, he is a year younger than Taylor Trammell. He is, you know, basically about the same age. Uh, he, he's the same age. He's actually younger than George Kirby, who, you know, he was taken several years before. So I, I think, you know, I don't want to close the book on Rizzo. I don't expect a ton from him, but in terms of the Dylan Moore turning themselves into suddenly a, a useful big league player. Uh, I think Rizzo could absolutely jump up into that. Oh, this is something, Echelon. Uh, and I'm, I'm hoping that we see that. Uh, I'm going to say the opposite of that, which is Austin Shenton. <laughs> like, I think those two are kind of just positionally at uh, diametrically opposed in the organization as far as like, it feels like one, only one, like Highlander, like only one can prosper or whatever. Uh, I'm mixing up my sci-fi shows, but anyway. Um, no, you. Yeah. They are. I just. I. The team is so high on Shenton. They bring him to everything. They brought him to like camp. They. Uh, he was at the alternate site. They. They just love him it seems and so i figure if they love him i've not seen a ton of him i did see him at uh west virginia kind of ignite a team that was offensively pretty punchless in the west virginia power uh at that time where they did not have julio who was hurt they did not have um kelnick he'd been called up to modesto like and he was a real like you could just feel kind of the team centered around him and uh, I don't know. I'd watch out for Austin Shenton, man. He already plowed over Bobby Honeyman. He's got Joe Rizzo in his sights. <laughs> He's just... <laughs> Austin Shenton's out here driving a steamroller over <laughs> that back end of the prospect <laughs> list. Here's, here's what I'll say. I would absolutely love it if the Mariners can be in a position where we have two... Oh, my God. Delicious. Delightful. Wonderful. Like, I, like... 
I, I think it's, you know, I don't want to uh, oversimplify it, but I think it is very easy to see, like, okay, this is the space for this player, and this is the space for this player, and they should move up and move up and move up. But, like, the Dodgers had Will Smith and Kiebert Ruiz at the same level multiple yeah. years in a row. Yeah, they did, because like, they're the Dodgers. Now Will Smith is right, but, like, you can have the Dodgers farm system. You're not going to probably have the Dodgers farm system and the Dodgers big league team, but you can have something like that if you do a really, really good job. And the Mariners are on the track to doing a really good job with setting up a farm system, and that has to translate into a big league team without evaporating having a farm system. Right? That like that's the. That's the next goal, right, is is converting without, you know, evaporating. Uh, and that, that means sometimes you have duplicates, to put it, you know, to put it a, a, a sort of rough kind of way. So I hope it would we be have great. a challenge. I hope both of them are playing well enough. That My bet is on, if we're talking about, like, people who are suddenly making noise on prospect lists next year... My bets are on Austin Shen and Sam Carlson. As far as like people who came out of nowhere, who I feel like a lot of prospect people are going to be talking about next year. It is biased of me to say that so. Jonathan Classe would also be a pick, but it, but he is. No, I hope so. But I, but I think you know Classe has has a longer ramp. He does, to, he to does. But I think as far as somebody like who's going to get to play stateside and like, and Milker Perez yes. I would put in this uh, category as well. Like guys who just haven't had a chance to play. Uh, George Felice I might add him in as well. Guys who haven't had a chance to play, who have had a lot of development by the team at various sites yeah. um, and who I think could start to make some noise next year. Hopefully we'll have a minor league season. Hopefully we'll get to see some of those guys in um, Everett, which is exciting. I mean, the minor league realignment thing sucks, but that part is exciting. Um, it is exciting, yeah. Hopefully hopefully we see that resolved, because right now the sort of minor league alignment is in limbo a little bit. Although I think it's expected to all resolve on for well... More or less as MLB dictates. So we'll see if that is uh, is the case, if there's any surprises there. But we're expecting a Tacoma, Arkansas, Everett, Modesto uh, setup there. So, all right. Well, thank you, Joe. Thank you, Kate. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, questioners. Uh, we had uh, at least one or two questions that we uh, that we didn't get to, but we we may just pass those straight along to the to the main LL pod. Uh, so if you if you didn't hear your question there, be sure to just swing on over to the next LL pod because uh, we're actually yeah, stuff's happening. Happen. It's wild. There's the, yeah, it's happening. Ron Paul <laughs> gif. Um, and man, that's exciting. Yeah, so. We'll uh, we'll hopefully talk to you guys soon with a little more minor league news. And uh, until then, uh, stay well. If you're if you're celebrating the holidays, happy holidays, and uh, stay safe. Uh, and hopefully, we'll see y'all at some baseball this spring. Feels a little more. It possible, sure does. Doesn't it? That's yeah, man. It, I mean, it it really feels good. That, that feels possible. Hopefully Fingers crossed. Alright. Have a good one. Bye. Y'all.